Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. understand how critical this particular time in history is. We have $7.7 trillion worth of economic events that are going to hit America in the gut. This is An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun, President and CEO of Private Wealth Consultants, the free market voice voice. of the U.S., enhancing and protecting private wealth. Gary Rathbun has over 30 years of experience in making the best choices for you to keep more of what you earn. It's life, liberty, and the pursuit of self-reliance. An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. This is our country. Greetings and welcome again to An Economy of One. I am your host, Gary Rathbun. Our number here, 844 244 Three seven five zero toll free from anywhere. Our website, an economy of one dot com, an economy of one dot com. As is our Facebook, an economy of one on Facebook. Feel free to uh, check out everything my producers put uh, new stuff on there almost every day, and we got some interesting videos and and some articles that uh, I think you'll find interesting at those sites. Well, it's been an interesting week. And unlike most people that uh, you've listened to all week, I'm not going to spend much time on the riots in Baltimore. I do want to comment just a little bit from an economic standpoint. I'm not going to get into the politics of it. I'm not going to get into the militarization of the police. I'm not going to get into, um, you know, the lack of of uh, judgment from some of the leaders or or anything like that. What I do want to talk about, though, is this is the kind of thing that will essentially gut downtown Baltimore for years and years and years. I mean, CVS store was one of them that was burned down. I mean, burned right to the ground. If I was CVS, um, I would never put that store back up. Never put it back up. If I'm an individual store owner, and, and I've, I've seen a few of those on on the web and on TV talk about um, their, their whole business essentially getting destroyed, and they have said the same thing. No, I'm taking my insurance check, and I'm going to the beach. I'm leaving forever. So downtown Baltimore is going to go the way of Ferguson, which has gone the way of Detroit, downtown Detroit in the 60s. It took years and years and millions of dollars of taxpayer money to even come close to getting businesses to go back into downtown Detroit after the riots. Uh, That was the late 60s. I'm old enough to remember that. But Baltimore is 
economically downtown now is virtually destroyed. And it will be for a long, long time. And it's just a shame. It's a shame. We've got affiliates around there. And uh, I've got friends and and uh, family uh, in that area. And it's beautiful. But it's gone now. And it's going to be gone for a long, long time. So when when looking at something like that, Jobs are not going to be created uh, down there by any means. And if you look at what creates jobs, it's small business owners. Something like 75, 80% of all new jobs created are created by small businesses. Now, the government doesn't want you to uh, think that way. Uh, every president uh, for for decades every politician have have taken credit for creating jobs and as we get into the next presidential election cycle you're going to hear many of these prospective candidates talking about i have policies that will create jobs one of my goals as president will be to create jobs uh under president obama he's he's come out and said recently and we've now created more than 10 million jobs we haven't created any. It's small businesses that have created jobs. Government has actually gotten in the way. They've actually slowed down job creation. The fact that we have any jobs being created in this environment is relatively miraculous. Creating jobs, if, if the government wants to create jobs... Now, I'll take that back. The government can create jobs by hiring employees, and they're the largest employer in the United States. But I don't consider that creating jobs. That's just hiring people. If the government wants to create jobs, it's very, very simple. All they have to do is get out of the way. Get out of the way and let small businesses create jobs. Let them innovate let them create a product that the market wants. Get out of the way. It's amazing. You remember President Obama said a while back, I forget when he said it, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said something to the effect, you know, if you've got a business, you didn't build that. Somebody else made that happen. And you remember the backlash he got for that statement. I mean, my goodness he got ripped apart for that you would think that former secretary of state hillary clinton would have learned from watching that happen to president obama and the outcry that that followed that but no she said shortly after that don't let anybody tell you that it's corporations and businesses that create jobs that old theory trickle down economics has been tried that has failed. Now, this is at the same time. Remember, they were saying that capitalism had failed. They keep wanting to, to convince us that free market principles don't work because some people are unemployed. Some people uh, have more money than other people. You know, just because someone makes more money than someone else doesn't mean they took it from anybody else. Now, 
That sentence I just said, I want you to think about that sentence because there's two phrases in there I want to touch on. One, make money. You know, it was America that created the phrase to make money. Prior to America, the pie really was pretty much fixed. People could not make money. It was just passed around. Royalty or or tyrants, dictators, whatever, essentially owned everything. And they allowed you to get your allowance by working all year, and they took the rest. When America was created, we developed the phrase to make money, where the the pie is ever-expanding. If someone makes more money than you, they didn't take it from you. They did not exploit you. They made more value. They created value. So that's the first thing to think about. When someone makes more money, they didn't take it from somebody else. The pie is ever expanding to whatever the market needs. So in order for that to happen, the government has to get out of the way, has to free us up to create things, to destroy other things, to to build a product and, and make a profit on that. It's, it's, it's very, very simple. Now, Employment numbers came out this week, and they were the best numbers in 15 years under some metrics. And many pundits have come out and said, well, we're, we're, we're at full employment. This is the best we can expect, or we're beyond full employment. And to a certain extent, I can agree with that in the sense that when I took economics 100 years ago in college, we considered 6% unemployment full employment. Well, we're below 6% now. But they're considering employment to be full employment because jobs are being created, miraculously so. The unemployment numbers are going down. In other words, the weekly unemployment insurance claims are going down. And, more importantly... Wages are starting to inch up. Now, it's fairly anemic, but they are still inching up. And all of those things are good things. The variable that we didn't have way back when I took economics was the number of people that are voluntarily out of the workforce and or on disability. So those numbers are huge compared to many years ago when when we looked at those metrics. So I think the economy is getting better. I think the labor force is getting better. I think the wages are getting better. But it's very, very, very anemic. And in my mind, we're a long ways away from full employment. I understand how they're determining that number, but we're a long ways away from hitting that number. Will we? Probably not. I don't see that ever happening. At least not in the near future. Coming up, speaking of government, 
want to talk a little bit about government versus anarchy, production versus plunder. And uh, lovely state of Virginia has some interesting uh, uh, facts about their voting machines. We'll talk about those next. It's an economy of one with Gary Rathbun. Back to an economy of one with Gary Rathbun. We are back. Our number here, 844-244-3750. Our website, aneconomyofone.com. Aneconomyofone.com, as is our Facebook, an economy of one. You know, I talked a little bit last segment about government simply getting out of our way. Get out of our way. Let us create. Let the small business owner, let the entrepreneur create stuff we will be fine we don't need your help we don't need to be led we need to be left alone and that got me thinking about government in general many of us talk about government being too big or too corrupt and cronyism and all this kind of stuff but you know no government ever came into existence without force being involved So I did a little research, and I hope you'll stay with me here. But many, many, many centuries ago, prior to 6000 B.C., um, gardeners traveled down the Tigris River from Armenia into a land that eventually uh, they called summer. And they stumbled upon the fact that they could create permanent settlements in the Tigris-Euphrates Valley. And if you've done your your historical research and and that kind of stuff, you know that was a very fertile place. And it was a a place where they could remain and create stationary agriculture. They essentially created the first civilization. They were the first farmers, uh, cattle raisers, fishermen, weavers, leather workers, woodworkers, masons, potters, smiths, all that kind of thing. They they created this civilization and they, they created a division of labor. Now, I wasn't able to find any, any name for this, this initial civilization. They had uh, very little about these people. They have a few artifacts. They have traces of their language and, and that kind of stuff. But shortly after those people settled and created what we would call a civilization, somatic nomads from uh, what is now Arabia, Syria, that area, began to raid these agriculturists, at some point, they invade and remain, and they set themselves up as a dominant political group. In other words, they made themselves the first stationary rulers. They collect a portion of the harvest every year and claim a monopoly on the right to dispense justice to the residents all by force. Now, even our own country I mean, back in the 1700s, as this country was formed, there was a certain level of force involved in creating the United States. It, it, it did not arise out of just a, a social contract between individuals or, or between the people uh, of each state. It, it was somewhat forced upon the citizens of the states at that time. And 
the debate generally comes down to between anarchist and status. Now, I consider myself somewhat of an anarchist. The trouble is we've been conditioned to believe that anarchists want chaos, that they want no rules, that they, they, they essentially want the purge. We, they, they want what Baltimore had in the last week. And many people would describe that as anarchy. Well, that's not anarchy. Anarchy is better described, in my mind, as self-rule. The trouble with government is that they're essentially a, a plunderer. They produce nothing. They take what they want. They essentially rob us. The difference between government and a robber is a robber steals stuff from you and generally goes away and leaves you alone. They don't follow you home and steal what you got there. They don't wait for you to produce more and steal it again. But government does. No matter what you do, they keep taking a piece of your private property, your earnings, your intellectual property, your time, all under the name of sovereignty and protection. Biggest tool the government has going for them is keeping people afraid. Lord Acton said that power always corrupts. And anybody that enters politics is either already corrupt or very, very naive and soon becomes corrupt. Talking of corruption, Virginia, Virginia election officials recently just decertified their voting system. And what they found out was these electronic machines could be, quote, hacked into by even unskilled people. These, these machines, you could sit out in the parking lot, get on the Internet with your laptop, patch into the machine. The passwords were very, very weak and unchangeable. The passwords range anywhere from, uh, what was it, admin to password. It's incredible how easy it was to break into these machines, download the results of the voting, change them, upload the changes, and there was no trace that that ever happened. No trace that somebody got in there, switched all the votes, and put them back. Absolutely incredible. So they've decertified these machines, but they, they've had them for quite a while. Concerns me going into the new election. We need to be a little cynical when it comes to the voting machines. And we'll talk a little bit more about this the closer we get to election time. Coming up, I talked a little bit before about the elimination of cash. We're going to talk a little bit more about that and uh, see what's going on now. Gary Raspin, an economy of one. Now, back to An Economy of One with Gary Rathbun. We are back. Thanks for staying with us. Our number here, 844-244-3750. You know, it's getting 
It's getting to the point where all of us are being classified as terrorists, and it's up to us to essentially prove we're not. Now, recently I talked to you a little bit about uh, what they call SARs in the banking industry, suspicious activity reports, where bankers now are being encouraged, they're being coerced essentially, into calling. It used to be filing a, a form, filing a, uh, a report, but now they're encouraged to call the regulators for any suspicious activity going on in their bank, maybe so the, the government can react sooner. But, you know, it used to be that a sp- suspicious activity report was generated every time you made a deposit of $10,000 or more at one time in cash. Well, they've since lowered that down to 5000 And not only have they lowered it down to 5000 they they've put a new term in there called structured deposits, where if you put $1,000 cash into your account every day for five days in a row, that's uh, illegal, and you can go to jail for that. So they're, they're trying, all in the name of fighting terrorism, fighting terrorism and drug dealers, because we know all drug dealers open up bank accounts, do business with the same bank for years and years from a storefront, and deposit cash every day. That that always happens. Most recently, other countries are getting on. France uh, decided to crack down on people making cash payments and withdrawals to, to fight terrorism, and they've gone clear down to 1,000 euros. It used to be 10,000 euros. And then it was down to five and three and now down to one. If they have, if you're in France and you have cash deposits and withdrawals between the two that total more than 10,000 euros in a single month, you're reported to the government. In the U.S., like I said, suspicious activity reports being filed all the time, $5,000 or more. And 5000 bucks just isn't that much money anymore. I mean, it's a lot of money. But it's not a lot of money. When a car costs forty or fifty thousand, five grand is, is not even a down payment on a car. Italy has done the same thing. Spain done the same thing. They want to crack down on uh, the black market and tax evaders. Sweden, same thing. Denmark, Israel, everywhere. Mexico, even. Geez, can you imagine? Mexico is banning large cash transactions with a maximum penalty of five years in prison. Now, all of this is the precursor. All of this is leading us to the point of eliminating paper currency. We talked a little bit about this last time. And the idea is to put this out as the guise of of eliminating terrorism, but it's really to track Every single penny you spend, every single transaction will be recorded. They want to follow not only the flow of money, but they want to take total control of money. So currency is going to be eliminated sometime, not in the near future. It's going to be a while. It is happening faster than I thought a couple years ago. But they're going to replace it with an electronic currency. Now, given the fact that I just talked to you about the the voting machines and how easy those were to hack, 
Can you imagine the government trying to control a currency that's all digital? Can you imagine the ease of fraud that's going to happen? They're turning bankers into essentially unpaid government spies, so the bankers aren't going to fight an electronic currency. They don't care. If if that alleviates them of filing SAR uh, paper, suspicious activity reports, or calling the government, they're happy. But we're witnessing essentially a total control of your finances. And once again, the government is going to be controlling this. They're going to be monitoring all of this. And it's up to you to prove you're not a drug dealer or a money launderer or a terrorist. Now, in that same vein, Mises recently put out uh, a story about FedEx and UPS saying that they will no longer ship what's called a ghost gunner. A ghost gunner is essentially like a 3D printer except that it uses metal instead of the polymers. And a ghost gunner can make parts without serial numbers. So what FedEx and UPS are doing, by the way, FedEx and UPS doing this voluntarily. This is not a regulation out of Washington or anything like that. But they're voluntarily... um, doing this because under the present situation, buying, selling, owning, and using guns without serial numbers is legal, even with assault rifles. So both FedEx and UPS have refused to ship these, what they call a digital mill. It's a 3D printer for metal because of the threat of government action in the future. Now think about this. In the past, UPS and FedEx have settled with the government for millions and millions of dollars because they shipped prescription drugs through the the mail. They they are not the mail, through their shipping system without proper disclosure to the government. So they made UPS and FedEx responsible for what you and I put in a box, wrap it up, and address it. Now, contrast to that is the United States Postal Service that is not held responsible for the legality of goods it ships. And they, the, U, the United States Postal Service has to have a search warrant to inspect consumer packages. UPS and FedEx, they can demand to see, and they do, what's in the package before it's sealed up and shipped. Now, think about this. I know it's kind of a stretch, but Mises' organization makes a great point. This essay was put together by Jonathan Newman. But think about this. The the FedEx and UPS have chosen to discriminate against certain people legally. This is a legal product. Nothing wrong with ghost gunners. It's just that they are assuming that if you buy one, you are going to machine, you are going to manufacture 
guns without serial numbers and use it to commit crimes. Now, this is a modern society. How is this different than companies refusing to make a wedding cake for a gay wedding? Now, let's lay the cat on the table. I'm not in favor of, for instance, racial discrimination. I, 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 I tell people over and over and over, I, I only see one color, green. If you can create value for me, I'll hire you as an employee. I don't care what gender you are. I don't care what race you are. I don't care what religion you are. I don't care. I don't care about your sexual orientation, nothing. If you can create something of value for me, I will pay for that. So I'm not in favor of discrimination based on religion, any of that kind of stuff. But it's important to look at things like this because FedEx and UPS, how are they different from the baker in uh, California or wherever it was that didn't want to bake a wedding cake? How is it different from the photographer in in uh, Texas or wherever they were that didn't want to f- photograph uh, a gay wedding or anything like that? Liberty means the freedom to discriminate. Now, how can we discriminate? Don't use FedEx and UPS if you don't want to. If you disagree with this decision, you can discriminate and not use them. If a restaurant says that it won't serve blacks, you can discriminate and not use that restaurant. What's the difference here? They are choosing, they're refusing to ship what they think is a controversial material. And they are assuming things about you that may or may not be true. I'm not a criminal. I don't want to make illegal guns without serial numbers and sell them. I may want a ghost gunner uh, 3D printer for metals to make something perfectly legitimate. In fact, I would guess that 99.9% of the people that have them do want to use them for something perfectly legitimate. But once again, this is big companies being cautious with the regulators because they've been burned in the past. They've done things in the past that were fine and legal, And it cost them millions and millions of dollars. And this is what the government regulators want. They want this type of voluntary action from companies to appease the government. Coming up, now the USDA is getting into the picture of brainwashing our children. And in Denver... Uh, apparently a four-year-old wasn't allowed to eat her Oreos. I got to touch on that. I can't let that go. I'm sorry. If you've heard it, you're going to hear it again. Gary Raspin, an economy of one.
Now, back to an economy of one. Our number here, 844-244-3750, toll-free from everywhere. Our website, aneconomyofone.com, aneconomyofone.com. Our Facebook, aneconomyofone. Go there, see what we put up every day, and uh, you can see what I'm reading on a on a daily basis as well. Well, you know, the last couple of weeks, we've talked about water. Talked about the EPA giving a $15,000 grant to a university to study the showering habits of people in hotels and what procedures they could come up with to uh, uh, change people's showering habits in order to conserve water. And uh, I think last week we talked about uh, wanting to educate children to take showers and not baths. Okay, well now the USDA is getting in on the on the game and they put up almost a million dollars, 900 and some thousand dollars to teach, you ready? Meta thinking, M E T A, meta thinking about water to children. To children. Now they've put together a partnership with the University of Wisconsin to add thinking skills and awareness into existing water education lessons. Wow. Sounds very noble, doesn't it? The money was spent in this project on teaching kids meta-thinking, like I said, about water, featuring rap songs (laughs) and spoken word performances. Amazing. Think Water. It's called Think Water. The goal of the project is to change the behavior of children and get them to care about water using teaching developed by the crowd. Now, here's the problem. Developed by the crowd. Think Water focuses on a scalable solution, a water study platform on which the best lessons rise to the top. A little floating uh, analogy there. Because they are developed by... The crowd. And we all know that groupthink, whatever the crowd comes up with, is certainly better than what an individual thinks. Absolutely incredible. I'm not going to read the rap song because I don't understand it. It's just too stupid. But I am going to give you some of the lines out of the spoken word performances. The rap song, by the way, is on iTunes. Have to download that to my iPod soon. Uh, Put together by two white rappers. I don't know why we have to have the race in there. Okay. It's just two rappers, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Called Count Mean, M-E-I-N. I I don't know what that is, but it's just really, really stupid. Anyway, the spoken word performances... Just to uh, to grab a few of their lines, just so you know how your kids are being indoctrinated, kids and, and grandkids. Um, they say they're they're mucking up children's education by talking at them. We don't want them to get older without getting wiser. Right. 
Some of this stuff is language I can't say on the air. So this is what they're spending money on for our kids and, and grandkids. We need to get kids thinking about their minds. It's the crux of it all. The thing that makes us human. Okay. Apparently that's part of the crowd thing. The tyranny of information bullied thinking right out of our schools. We want people who are knowledgeable, who know the county lines have been gerrymandered to manipulate the vote. What? What? How is that about water usage? The USD plans to spend $30 million over the next five years on this garbage. We need to think better ideas so we are not slaves to our old ones. That's metacognition. Ooh, we're getting big words here. Then again, quote, maybe we don't want thinking adults because thinking adults think for themselves. For themselves. This is what I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Between terrorism and now water, never let a good crisis go to waste, and they aren't. But they're trying to indoctrinate people to get them to think the way the crowd thinks, the way they want you to think. What gerrymandering has to do with thinking about water is beyond me. But that lets you see behind the curtain as to what they're really trying to do. One of the uh, spoken word performance, maybe our economy, maybe our democracy, is based on a small group of rich, elite people doing the thinking for the masses. Wow. They have courses for pre-kindergartners all the way through college so students can care about, think about, and build a deep understanding of water issues and ideas. Think water. Gerrymandering. Yeah, that, that, that makes perfect sense to me, that correlation. My goodness. Absolutely amazing. That being said, it's no wonder that school officials in uh, Aurora, Colorado. I got uh, friends in Aurora. I have to call them. A suburban Denver four-year-old came home from school disappointed with untouched Oreos and a note from the teacher. A four-year-old. Denver News Station KMGH-TV reports that preschooler Natalie Pearson told her mom Friday that she wasn't allowed to eat the cookies in her lunchbox. The note told the parents to pack a nutritious lunch that includes fruit, vegetable, and a healthy snack. Can you believe this? A four-year-old. If there's anybody in the world that should enjoy, be able to enjoy, America's cookie, it's a four-year-old. Come on. Their metabolism is so high, they could eat a whole package of those, and it wouldn't make any difference. But for the school to prevent a kid from eating what their parents sent in for them, and then the audacity to send a note home saying, pack a better lunch next time, absolutely incredible to me. Absolutely incredible. Where's it going to stop, and what are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? I want you to have a great day. I want you to be an individual, be self-reliant, be an economy of one. I'm Gary Rathman. We'll see you next time. This is our country. The views expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect the views of this station. 
Listeners should consult their own financial advisors or conduct their own due diligence before making any financial decisions. Private Wealth Consultants is an SEC-registered investment advisor. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.